Ask for a favor. Uh huh. Can I hear you say, come on? Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. No. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Listen, I love Drew Brown from Pittsburgh. Come on. But his friends are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not ramping down. We're just getting started. Nothing stops this train. Thank you. God bless. And come on. For the second time in Heinz Field history, the Pittsburgh Steelers led by 14 or more points in an NFL football game and came away the loser as the Steelers lose their first game of the 2020 NFL season, falling to 11-1, a 23-17 defeat at the hands of the football team from Washington and Alex Smith leading the charge along with Logan Thomas and a really good defensive unit for the most part tonight for the Washington football team as we record this around midnight, the night of the Steelers' first loss. And guys, we react to a loss for the first time ever in the history of the Come On Network podcast. Episode 41 of the Come On Network podcast, Kyle Dawson, Donnie Chedrick, Joe Smeltzer, Jack Hillgrove. Thanks for listening and for the subscribes, the streams, the downloads, the ratings and reviews. You can find us on any device that gets internet or wherever you get to consume your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, or another. Also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. That's at Come On, C-O-M-O-N, Network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K, on Twitter and IG, and on the web, comeon.network. There you can find blog stories, features, columns, hot takes, the pod episodes. You can learn more about our team and shop our merch collection at comeon.network backslash store, which includes some holiday items up for grabs before Christmas and the holiday season. So make sure you get over to comeon.network backslash store to browse our inventory. Like I said, guys, we react to a loss for the first time. Let's just open the floor, talk generally about this football game and, and not a great one for the second consecutive week for the Steelers. This time they're on the other end of the, the winning score. Well, for me, I thought this was bound to happen. Uh, maybe not to the Washington football team, probably the, the next opponent that the Steelers play, the Buffalo Bills, who looked damn good tonight as well, by the way. When you can't run the football and are so bad in one aspect of the game, you won't win every game. And I don't want to hear people say anymore that running the football isn't important because the short pass game can work as the run game because, one, these guys can't seem to catch the football a quarter of the time when Ben throws it 55 times a game and the Steelers have seven drops, you are a goddamn idiot if you think you can't run the football any game across your, your NFL schedule and just win them all. Early in the season, it seemed like Pittsburgh ran the ball just fine. I don't know what's happened over this last six to eight weeks that has seemed to change the course of how this team can handle a rushing attack. They treat the, they treat running the football like they will get penalized for doing it. It's pathetic. They, they ran the football for 21 yards on 14 carries. Not that Washington lit it up on the ground, but that's also a team who lost its leading rusher early in the game. And I know the Steelers didn't have James Conner, but let's be realistic here. James Conner hasn't been tearing it up uh, in his last few games either, by the way. He had a decent game against Jacksonville a few weeks ago. 
uh, but now missing these last two games, he wasn't on fire uh, the, the few games before that. Let's also not forget something here. And here's where the haters will, will bitch and probably not be happy with me if, if any of them listen. But it was going under the radar that the Steelers played a game on four days rest and a hungry football team was on the other side that had the last 10, 11 days. And to no surprise to me, at least, they looked like the sharper football team. Uh, I didn't find it uh, very stunning whatsoever, but I was stunned that I was the only guy in our pick to go with Washington. And I know I'm the best in the business when it comes to pick 2-0 on Monday night, by the way. Let's not forget that. I saw this game being closed down to the end, but the football team just won the game outright. That was something I didn't expect. It doesn't matter if it's pretty or ugly. As long as you win, that's all that counts. The Steelers did not win today. So what are you way too optimistic people out there going to say now? What we saw today was last Wednesday's game with a different result. It wasn't nearly as sloppy, but there were a ton of parallels. The Steelers were in control most of the way last week and won. They controlled the game most of the way this week, and they lost. The Steelers dropped some passes last Wednesday. They dropped more passes today. The Steelers had issues in the red zone last week. They had more issues today. And that fourth and goal at the one with Benny Snell, it didn't cost them really at all because they ended up forcing a free and out deep in Washington territory and scoring the first play into their next possession. But that's still kind of a microcosm for a lot that is wrong with the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it be personnel-wise or play-calling-wise. Injury-wise, the Steelers lost Bud Dupree last week. They lost Robert Spillane yesterday and maybe Joe Hayden as well. And hell, both games even featured some goofy shit going on at the end of the first half. Given that every problem with the Steelers from last week's game carried over into yesterday's game, and given that the football team is better, I think, than the COVID-plagued Dirty Birds of six days ago are without Lamar Jackson and the gang, today's result made perfect sense. We knew, by the way, I keep, I'm kind of mixing up yesterday and today. I keep forgetting that we're recording this late Monday night and releasing on Tuesday, so forgive me for any inconsistencies. But we knew that the Steelers were going to lose at some point, as Don said, and that time has come. And credit to Washington. That team is better than I think any of us expected going into the year. That defensive line, which we all talked about on our preview, is the real deal. And perhaps most impressive of all, their two best players on offense were non-factors. Antonio Gibson left in the first quarter. Terry McLaurin only had two catches for 14 yards. But, pardon the cliche, that next man up mentality was in full effect for Ron Rivera's team. Logan Thomas and Cam Sims both stepped up big time in the receiving game. J.D. McKissick was fantastic catching passes out of the backfield. Going back to talking about the Steelers now, they weren't good today, but make no mistake, Washington earned this win. For Pittsburgh, the burden of going 16-0 is now gone. All this team can do is focus on beating a damn good Buffalo Bills team next week that looked pretty damn good this week. It's weird, right? I mean, almost a year that this team hasn't lost a football game. And, Kyle, you mentioned it in the opening. Um, We haven't had to react to a loss yet since this podcast was created. Um, 
I I barely remember what it feels like to to be a Steelers fan and and react and self-reflect on a loss. Um, But here we are. I thought the rushing – I mean, it's it's not – I'm not sure it's as much that the Steelers are bad at running the football as that they're – Donnie, you said it a nail on the head – that they just have a blatant disregard for not wanting to run the football. And um, when I was working at 93.7 The Fan yesterday, uh, I was producing for Paul Alexander, who had Mark Caboli, the Steelers writer for The Athletic, on as a guest. And Mark said it, and he would probably know better than uh, than most guys. He's covered the Steelers for a very long time. They don't want to run the football. Ben does not want to run the football. Ben Roethlisberger having his way as the 38-year-old future Hall of Fame quarterback and his input in the offense, throwing it 53 times a game, apparently is his bread and butter. Uh, I don't think it should be at 38 years old. I mean, when you look at this team and how they play today, 14 carries on 21 yards on 14 carries. That's a yard and a half per clip. When Anthony McFarlane Jr. on 15 yards is your leading rusher, you have a problem. And Colin Coward put out a snarky video on Instagram smoking a cigar and talking about how all these teams are better than the Steelers right now. Cleveland, Kansas City, Buffalo, he even went as far as saying New England and perhaps the New York Giants are better than the Steelers right now. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but are those other teams? Probably, because what can they do? They have a solid and a somewhat relevant rushing attack. The Steelers don't. Today, the Steelers lost the time of possession battle, 30 and change to 29 and change. That's not a lot, but they ran it only 14 times today. And if you look back, um, the most that the Steelers have ran the ball in a game this year is 38 times against the Houston Texans. That was a one-touchdown game. The Steelers scored eight points in the fourth quarter, and that was pretty much what decided the ball game. The difference maker and why the Steelers were able to win that close game, they ran it 38 times, had 169 rushing yards, and they controlled the time of possession clock by almost 14 minutes. That's how good football teams win games. You shut bad teams out down the stretch, control the clock, uh, Alex Smith has been efficient this year. Um, how do you beat a guy like that? And definitely how you beat a guy like Patrick Mahomes if it gets to that in the playoffs? Take the ball out of his hands. And it's no secret that when you run the football and run the football efficiently, you win the time of possession battle. And the Steelers didn't do that today. And I think, and a part of and we'll talk, I'm sure, Joe, you'll bring up your key uh, for the Steelers on the preview episode and how that pretty much came into fruition. That's a big chunk of why the Steelers lost. But I would have to blame it a lot on the fact that the blatant disregard for the run game lost them the time of possession battle, and that's what cost the Steelers a football game. It, it's not just a blatant regard, uh, disregard of, of the run game and, and the willingness to run. These running backs, maybe besides a spurt from Anthony McFarlane behind James Conner, are dog shit. Plain and simple. Benny, Smell, Benny Snell, eight carries. Might as well call him Benny Smell yeah, Benny Smell, eight yeah. Eight carries, five yards tonight. From Benny Snell. That's supposed to be the bell cow if James Conner goes down. That's the guy 
And listen, I've got no, I've Donnie and everybody on this podcast will say that I've got a significant problem with Benny Snell. I don't like the guy as a starting running back in the NFL. I don't think he is a starting running back in the NFL. I think he's a good number two. I think he's a guy that maybe can come in and give you a start if he has to. But Benny Snell having eight carries for five yards that he's supposed to be your bell cow behind James Conner. What the hell was that tonight from Benny Snell? Uh, and, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, his big two-yard loss on a third down and 10 draw play late in the game in the fourth quarter, I think was a huge play in this game. And it's not all his fault because he got sold out by his offensive coordinator on that play and and an offensive line that is really confusing to me. This offensive line can't run block for shit right now, but this offensive line hasn't allowed Ben Roethlisberger to take a sack since the Baltimore game in week eight, I believe it was. It's been five straight games without Ben Roethlisberger being hit and dropped for a sack, which is incredible Now, a lot of that, and Donnie and I were talking about this in the middle of the game tonight, is because Ben Roethlisberger is getting the ball out of his hands so quickly. But a lot of that, too, has to deal with this team is just good at pass blocking. They're not good at run blocking. Um, And I don't even want to talk about the damn run game anymore. It has gotten to the point where it's at nauseum for me. If you don't think they have to run the football, just watch watch this game. 14 carries for 21 yards from the team. 14 for 21 from this football team tonight. Kyle, really quick, this is my last comment about the run game, and then we can put it away forever until they decide to run the football again. But you remember back about a month and a half ago when the Steelers stomped on the Cleveland Browns and Ben Roethlisberger was quoted saying it was felt like he was running an old Bill Cowher offense? The last time I checked, that, that's the best the Steelers have looked all season as far as a complete game. The Cleveland Browns are 9-3. and three. They're a good football team. And the Steelers – who ran the ball, let me see here, um, 37 times for 129 yards and had three rushing touchdowns that game? What the fuck happened? Where did that go? There's, it's obviously, I'm looking at the headline right now from Steelers Depot, run heavy second half, quote, felt like an old Bill Cower offense, and they beat the shit out of the Browns. It was the best they looked all year. What the fuck happened i'm done we'll move on i'll tell you what happened is they stopped caring about running the football and james has missed i i don't know ben roethlisberger i think donnie made the good point i think ben doesn't want to run the football and and for whatever reason listen i'm going to get to this when we get to our takeaways because my takeaway is that ben roethlisberger needs uh, is probably screaming for a little bit of help right now because i don't think he was that bad tonight either he wasn't he wasn't great tonight Uh, But 33 of 53 with a bunch of drops. I think it was seven drops in total tonight, even 40 of 53. Bottom line is he shouldn't be throwing the ball 53 times a game. And I thought the Steelers' defense played relatively well tonight uh, for all intents and purposes. Alex Smith had a good game. Logan Thomas had a really good game. And J.D. McKissick having 10 receptions out of the backfield is unacceptable. You just have, have to cover the running back coming out of the back foot a little bit better than they did. And uh, the defense may be outside. We thought a little bit more of Alex Highsmith would have been great tonight, but I thought he had a pretty quiet game. But it also doesn't help that Robert Spillane, who had a huge sack uh, for the 69th straight game with a sack in the beginning of the game, uh, I thought was playing pretty well again tonight. And I thought that Avery Williamson and Vince Williams got exposed in coverage at the end of the game. I thought they were both horrible in coverage at the end of the game, but uh, no surprise. And I'm going to dog TJ Watt a little bit later in the pro- podcast as well. But TJ Watt was fantastic again tonight, which wasn't a surprise to see him do that even without Bud Dupree. But for me, for me, this football game, 
I don't even I don't even want to waste people's time talking about the running game anymore because I just and, and I'm going to when we get to our biggest takeaway just as a hit to it. But uh, I think that that is something that is it's it, it's been talked to at nauseum on our podcast. It's been talked to at nauseum in the Pittsburgh media and sports talk radio in the last couple of weeks and the TV shows that are your final calls or fi- the final word, whatever these TV shows are called. It's been talked to at nauseum, but I think. I've cooled down a little bit from the beginning of, of right after in the aftermath of this game. I think that this was going to happen to this team at some point. Uh, this was not a team that was going to go 16 and 0. They're just bottom line aren't good enough to go 16 and 0. Uh, and they have a really good Buffalo team that's coming up next week. And if this served as the wake up call, then great because it needed to serve as the wake-up call with what the result was tonight for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the drops have to be better, the offense, the defense have to be better. And for a coach and Mike Tomlin, who I've praised a ton, he lived in his fears tonight. He didn't send out Matthew Wright to, send, to, to punch through a 45-yard field goal or at least attempt to do it. Instead, they threw, they went in their most important play of the game, a fourth and one, threw the ball to their third running back. That should tell you about all you need to know about the game tonight and where this offense stands. And I'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into our biggest takeaway here. Well, my biggest takeaway is that three games in 12 days is a dangerous thing. Uh, Let's just look at some of the injuries tonight. uh, Robert Spillane uh, and Joe Hayden both went down. Obviously unsure of what their statuses will be going forward. Uh, And that adds to a a pretty decent list that the Steelers now have. Devin Bush out for the year. Bud Dupree out for the year. Steven Nelson, not sure uh, his longevity on the the, uh, injury list. Chris Boswell, likely back for the next game, maybe misses the next game, who knows. Uh, And then two other guys that should be back for the next game, Marquise Pouncey and James Conner, who were two guys on the COVID list. This is also a dangerous thing because it looks like they will be one and two in this three games and 12 days stretch. I don't know how this Steelers team we saw beats the Buffalo team we also saw uh, Monday night. Uh, Right now, just a a, a little preview. I know we have that episode coming up uh, later this week, but Buffalo has the better quarterback right now, in my opinion. And as much as that pains me to say, Josh Allen, uh, Monday night, four touchdowns over 300 yards. He looked electric. Uh, that offense looked great. Uh, and he's had an outstanding season, by far his best season uh, in the National Football League. Running game, that's easy. Buffalo, I mean, all you got to do is run the ball like once for 15 yards and you're better than the Steelers. Wide receivers as a whole, I would go Pittsburgh, but Buffalo has the single best receiver in Stefan Diggs, who is – Uh, having a great first year in Western New York. Offensive line, I'll go Buffalo with that too. I think it's it's somewhat even. The defense, I'll give Pittsburgh a slight edge, but not so sure because injuries to guys like Devin Bush, Bud Dupree, Steven Nelson, Joe Hayden, and and even Robert Spillane, I think really make that pretty even. I'm going to steal from uh, Kyle Dawson a little bit here. My takeaway is that there isn't a single dominant team in the NFL this year. Kyle brought it up in our group Sunday night, and it became apparent to me watching the Chiefs struggle with Denver, and it became even more apparent to me watching the last unbeaten in the National Football League get beat today. Um, At this point in the NFL season, at least one team should separate itself and do so by blowing teams out of the water. Last year, the Ravens at this point were kicking the shit out of teams. Two years ago, the Saints – 
were putting their opponents over their knees and whipping them with a belt, whoever they were playing. Granted, neither of those teams ended up winning the Super Bowl, but the Eagles, who won the Super Bowl three years ago, fall into that category as well. Late in that 2017 season, before Carson Wentz went down, they were kicking some asses and taking some names. This year, there are a lot of good teams in the NFL. I don't think there's a single great team. And to me, the league is better that way because you get more close games and more squads that are in the mix this time of year, especially with the two extra player playoff spots, excuse me, one in each conference. That's really why I'm not nearly as upset now as I was after last week's game against Baltimore. Some of our consistent listeners might have been hoping for good old smells to pop off again. And if that's the case, I'm sorry to disappoint. But my perception of the Steelers hasn't changed. The flaws of this team hasn't changed. The records changed slightly, but 11-1 is still pretty damn good. And I still see this team as a Super Bowl contender largely because there's not one great team in the NFL in 2020. And that was apparent last night. It's definitely apparent right now as well, given what's happened to the Steelers in falling from 11-0 to 11-1 and giving the 1972 Miami Dolphins something to celebrate. My takeaway is that, and as much as we love him and as much as he belongs on the first ballot in the Hall of Fame, um, our 38-year-old starting quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, cannot do it by himself anymore. Um, that, that That's just age and not being um, a guy like Tom Brady it will with the exception of this year you can make but Ben can't do it by himself we've talked about this running game and how it's basically non-existent so that's out the window what do you got to do throw the ball 53 times a game that's fine and I forget which one of you said it I think it was Donnie in the opening thoughts the passing game doesn't work if your guys can't catch the ball. Eric Ebron dropped several key passes tonight. Deontay Johnson has shown it a couple of times this season that his hands are a little bit shaky um, early on in the game. And I think this is kind of what set the tone for the poor offensive performance that the Steelers put on today. It was third down and whatever on, the I think, the first drive of the game. And Juju Smith-Schuster dropped that ball. Uh, ben kind of created a little bit of an extra um, couple seconds with his feet and put one – pretty much on the money for Juju and it went right through his gut and and hit the ground. And Juju was rightfully upset about that. Um, But that kind of set the precedent for the wide receivers and it was um, a shame. And I'm going to talk about this run game one more time, but an interesting little interesting number here. This is how it goes to show you that it works Uh, in the first six games, the Steelers attempted 215 passes and their point differential was plus 65. In the last six games, the Steelers have attempted 273 passes, and the point differential was only plot. Well, not only, it's lower, plus 57. This team can run the football if it chooses to, and it works, and they got to figure it out to be able to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to steal that, and I thought about this on the way home because uh, I think it's Gresh. I don't know the guy's name who's on the Gresh show on, on CBS nationally uh, on the fan right now, but he was talking about it a little bit in regards to both Ben and Russell Wilson because, I mean, that's another football team. You know, everyone thought the Seattle Seahawks maybe had Super Bowl aspirations this year, and maybe they still do, but Seattle lost to a four-win New York Giants team last night uh, in, on the Sunday slate of the NFL games, I should say, 
Um, and Russell Wilson didn't get much help from his run game. I think Chris Carson had close to 60 yards in the game against the New York Giants. Man, that would have been a far cry for one of these assholes to have 60 yards for the Steelers tonight on the ground. And Russell Wilson's a guy that can do it on the ground a little bit more than Ben. I think my biggest takeaway is that someone's got to help Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know if that's the run game. And, man, do the Steelers miss James Conner. I saw a bunch of tweets, and I don't get this either. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be brief with this. I know we have to be brief with our Zoom time here. But where the hell do Steelers fans get off at saying, we miss, James, we miss Jerome Bettis right now? Is that just because of the goal line situation running the football? Because Jerome Bettis ain't popping off 100 yards a game late in his career. Not to interrupt, and Donnie, you might be able to attest, but I answered the phone yesterday when I worked at the fan, and I had at least three or four guys call in and reference Jerome Bettis in the running game. I don't get it either. I I guess people just forgot about guys like Willie Parker and uh, that Bell guy that was Bell, I just don't get it. I mean, what the hell are we asking for Jerome Bettis for? I guess on the goal line, you maybe have an argument. But the Steelers have such a – and this goes to the topic of Ben Roethlisberger needing some help. The Steelers have such a lack of trust in the run game that they lined up in a jumbo set on third down and goal and tried to throw it to their fucking eligible lineman, Gerald Hotkins. He's not even a 53-man roster guy if everyone's healthy on that offensive line. And they tried to throw him a touchdown pass. That's because they don't have the confidence in their run game. And Eric Ebron missed a block on fourth down and goal two that didn't help the cause when Benny Snell tried to go up the middle. But they have such a lack of confidence in that run game to get one yard that they threw the ball to Gerald Hawkins with a goal-to-go situation from inside the one-yard line. I just don't get it. And listen, that sequence didn't end up mattering that much as we shift over to our turning point or our play of the game. That sequence didn't matter much because the Steelers got a stop, a three and out, and went down and scored on the next play with James Washington's touchdown. But that still is something that is a glaring point in this game for me offensively. Uh, turning point for me was throwing it to Anthony McFarlane on fourth and one with the game tied at 17 Uh, late in the fourth quarter. This play has already been referenced, uh, but I have no idea how that is the play call and how that is the decision made in a spot like that. So I will fault both the great coach Randy and Ben Roethlisberger there. Uh, In key moments of a football game, you want your absolute best players with a chance to have the football in their hands. With, With this team, that is probably Ben Roethlisberger and somebody like Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, in a case like that. Or you can run the football, too. Uh, I, I know that just sounds like a really bad idea. Uh, you ain't getting a yard with that. But McFarland could end up being a good player in this league. He isn't close to being uh, the best Pittsburgh Steeler at the moment. But, uh, I mean, you, you could use a fullback. Uh, I know that's just, just really uh, pulling teeth there. Run the football. I don't like that. QB sneak with a guy that's 6'5", 250 pounds. I don't like that either. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking a, a go route to my third string running back is the play, play to make on fourth and one. Yeah, Nick Saban, who might know something about coaching, once said that in big moments the key is to think about players instead of plays, meaning that the Jimmys and the Joes, if you will, are more important than the X's and the O's. When the chips were down today, the Steelers went to Anthony McFarlane, and that's my turning point, too. They went to not only a rookie, but a part-time player. And I know the Steelers, as you said, Don, they don't have a guy like Antonio Brown, an established big-money player to go to in the clutch, but they do have options. And 
of course, the best option on fourth and one would be to run the football, but who the fuck are we getting there? Fuck us, right? Instead, they throw to an unproven running back on what ended up being the Steelers' biggest offensive play of the game. That was criminal. It stunk. It did not work. And the rest of the game is history. Yeah, I think you guys make some good points, but I think what led to that decision, and this is my turning sequence, um, the turnover on downs, the actually six cracks you get from at least the Washington five, and you can't fucking score. Benny Snell stuffed uh, a couple of times, throwing it to Gerald Hawkins because you ran out of ideas, and uh, an unnecessary roughness penalty that gives you four more cracks at the end zone and you can't score. They didn't. They couldn't pound it in from three feet out, and I think that's what set in motion Okay, let's go to Anthony McFarland in this situation on another fourth down and one. Here's the turning sequence for me, and this is when the game is 17-10, right after Matt Wright's uh, field goal. I think it was 37 yards that made it 17-10. to The Washington football team goes three and out on this series, but T.J. Watt tries to scoop and score on a forced fumble that he made a great play on, and Watt doesn't he's not able to scoop that not able to score not even able to get the turnover for the Steelers I don't look like he gave up on the ball too yeah and you're gonna say it well it doesn't matter Kyle because the the Washington football team punted on the next play well I think it does matter because the Steelers got the ball at the 10-yard line after the punt and had their most dog shit offensive play calling sequence of the entire game incomplete to Ray Ray McLeod up the seam trying for a deep ball in the triple coverage to Juju Smith-Schuster, and then the atrocious third down and 10. We've given up on this drive. Here's a draw handoff to Benny Snell, who looked like an ass on the third and 10 play that he lost two, two yards on. And then the next drive, uh, the Washington football team, I believe, went down and scored the game winner, or the game-tying touchdown on that drive. So that's the difference for me is, is that sequence. And it's not – I don't want to dog T.J. Watt because he was fantastic today as we shift over to our player of the game. I don't think he's the player of the game, but he – if he's not the firm favorite for defensive player of the year, something's wrong with the people who are voting for this award because he was awesome again today. But that play, if he gets the turnover, I think that changes the game because the Steelers get the ball at the 36-yard line of Washington instead of at their own 10-yard line. This will be a dagger to Kyle Dawson, but your player of the game is the 2020 comeback player of the year, Alex Smith. Player of the game, Montez Sweat. He had what I think was the dagger. Well, it was the dagger, uh, tipping the ball that landed in John Bosick's hands for the interception, fulfilling my, uh, not prediction, but my key to uh, the game was that Ben Roethlisberger can't have a tip pass go for a turnover, and that's exactly what happened, and Montez Sweat made it happen. I agree, Joe. That's mine, too. I think you also you could uh, give a shout-out to player of the game honors. He made his Steelers debut tonight, Ray Ray McDonald. Yeah, the, the Fox TV broadcast was horrible today, uh, but I'll, I'll steer away from that. I'm with Donnie. I think it's Alex Smith, 31 of 46 for 296, a touchdown. Uh, and Logan Thomas was really good, too. Give him credit, 9 for 98 and a touchdown, the game-tying touchdown. Uh, for the Washington football team. As for the rest, we'll leave you in the balance. We'll talk to you along with our buddy Brendan Keeney from Waynesburg University. He's a Buffalo Bills fan and works in the radio market up there in Buffalo. He'll join us for episode 42 of the Come On Network podcast, our Bills preview, which will be released on Friday morning, all the more likely. But subscribe to our channel at Come On Network, C-O-M-O-N. N-E-T-W-O-R-K on all of the podcast platforms that we carry your podcasts on. And we'll have that for you until then. Stay safe, 
Go Steelers despite the loss and come home.